Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jay here for Stratford Paddock, and this is the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. Joining me, as always, is Ronaldo. Um, we've got loads to get through. Are you, sorry, I almost interrupted you then. How are you doing? You're all right. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, excited. It's, it's a great show, isn't it? Have you got, got a great show for him? This show, is that good? It'll help you get over <laughs> United's disappointing draw against Southampton, even though we are going to be speaking to a journalist who's a Southampton fan, which doesn't help, does it? Which I didn't know before, and, but yeah. when I found out, it was a bit bit, bit sour. But yeah, it, well, it's one of them. <laughs> we'll be speaking to Simon Peach a little later on from PA. Um, he was at the game last night and he's going to be telling us what he thinks of Ole, what he thinks of the signings we've made um, and how he thinks United will do this season. Um, we're going to go through some of the, the top t- transfer stories by the Tier 1 journalists, the, the journalists who uh, sort of rank very highly when it comes to sources and, and sort of trustworthiness. Um, one of the journalists that, that's usually quite reliable when it comes to the, the things they're reporting is James Ducker. And he said that um, following the back of the decision by the uh, Court of Arbitration of Sport that Manchester City's ban has been overturned. They have got Champions League football now for the next two years and probably beyond, unfortunately. Um, that City are now going to go on a bit of a spending spree. He said that they're going to go for a centre-back and a left-back um, and that Kalidu, Kalibale and Ben Chilwell from uh, from Leicester, of course, um, are both targets. Now, I want to ask you about that because yeah. Kalibale last summer was being touted as a possible target for United. Now, when we got Maguire, that went cool. And yeah. also, Chilwell recently has been suggested as a, as a target for United. Now, I know that James Duck is obviously saying he sees them yeah. going to, to City. What do you make of those two two players? Do you think that... Does that worry you when you see that, that City no, couldn't go, can, and go obviously, for the both of them? City have got into the obviously predicament that they've gone into because of like, issues around financial fair play, etc. But... And it's just kind of just ironic where the fact is they've been kind of eased of that and then they're like, oh, now I'm just going to spend big again. Do you know what they do? Yeah. But um, if they do sign, they've been linked to Chilwell for quite a while though. Um, they've not been overly happy with their left-back situation. Benjamin Mendy and his injury 
history and these inconsistencies, even though he's, he's come on quite strong recently, actually. He had a stinker, didn't he, yeah, against, yeah. Um, was it Chelsea, I think? Yeah, Chelsea. And then he's, like, said last few games. After that, kind of kicked on. Obviously, their centre-back issues have been widely... Obviously, they've played Rodri there, they've played Fernandinho there. They've not been defensively as stout as soon as companies left. So, Koulibaly in that with Laporte. Obviously, Laporte's probably a strong option. The only strong option that they've got. If you part the um, Laporte and Koulibaly, then City do look a little bit more formidable. Can they do it? I think City, with the money that they they have and obviously being allowed to do what, what they like, <laughs> that they could... Like, it's like <laughs> a guy who's just been yeah. not guilty. He gets out of court and thinks, <laughs> thinks oh, this I'm, is that now, I'm yeah, going to go back on the rob. I can do it, but... <laughs> they, can, they can get it done. They are too far behind Liverpool. What well, are they? Well, oh, let's have it right, yeah? yeah? This is shaping up to be yeah. the worst title defence in Premier League history. Yes. It's they're, they're, yeah. I think yeah. they're either the same or more points. I think they might be more points behind the leaders than we were under Moyes when we defended our title. <laughs> so, even exactly. when you're okay the second and they're, you know, they're miles ahead of, uh, of the, 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 the teams behind them, but it's mm. been a disastrous title defence. And how really. they, Exactly, and how are they going to close the gap? We're going to splash the cash? Of course they are. So... Um, you mentioned mm. there as well about the fact that Laporte does a good job. Um, Otamendi doesn't really, uh. if we're being brutally honest. John Stones, I think he's on his way out in here. So, mm. yeah, I think they might. Have, I think Guardiola was saying uh, that he could be leaving. So, City could get rid of a few players as well, couldn't they, and bring some in? They yes. could end up selling the likes of Stones and maybe one or two. That's others. true. So that means their net spend might actually not look as bad because it's usually quiet in there. Outgoings. Well, it's just ridiculous. Like, it? they just spend more. But if they do sell and then buy, then it's, it's a bit more reasonable. But it's it's going to be hard to see City not spending big next season. Well, in the summer. we've always, Even though we've got the pandemic coronavirus market, so it makes clubs a little bit more restricted, they're going to have to do something about it. And we've got to look at City as United fans, because we're looking to get back up there in the midst. So we need to look at what other teams are doing. No, you should, it's very true. Yeah, I mean, so it pains me to say, but you're right. You know, this isn't, yeah. you know, years ago when you look at the noisy neighbours and laugh at them. Yeah. Sound like David Moyes, you know, but these are the teams that we're chasing yeah. and we've got a sort of plan. And, um, another thing that, that James Ducker from the Telegraph said was um, that now that City know they've got Champions League football guaranteed, yeah. that the likes of Raheem Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne maybe more committed, they may offer him extensions or new deals or whatever. What do you make of that as a, as a sort of, from an outside looking in? Is that, was that sort of expected anyway? Because that I never expected. felt like they were going anywhere. Even, I didn't think City's ban was going to be upheld anyway. But even if it had, I still felt that they were probably... They, like, they look like two more of the mainstays. Mm. Obviously, Aguero's even, what, Aguero's like 31, 32 now. Yeah. I think He's on the way out. Then. I think that might be good for us United fans. With uh, Aguero on the way out because he's, yeah, he's still good to see the, the back of him. <laughs> better, to be honest, see with the you back are. of him. Obviously, ah. Premier League great. So if you can, if your rivals get rid of a Premier League great, then it can only be a good thing. Do you think that um, they've got ready-made replacements like of Jesus and, and maybe Sterling? This is what role? makes people like James Ducker think now City are going to spend big because are they kind of are they sold on Jesus in terms of as a replacement for Aguero? I've seen that Jesus has actually missed more big chances, like statistically this season, that Martial has in his whole Premier League career. Really? I saw that statistic. Well, don't know if I can get it lie. up. Stats, um, people lie, numbers don't, innit? But <laughs> people lie, numbers don't, exactly. Yeah, but, so um, we can see, I'm, hopefully City don't get too strong too fast because we're trying to catch up. I mean, but, 
Yeah. We'll, it, don't be surprised if they spend big. It was always inevitable. I think a lot, all this yeah. felt inevitable <laughs> to me. It felt inevitable that the banner getter would turn, and it felt inevitable after this terrible um, title defence that they were yeah. going to go out and spend big. Um, and they've, they've got areas. In the yeah. past, you look at City and you think they're pretty strong in every single department. Even as backups, they've got yeah. options. But now you look at it and you're thinking, midfield, there's issues there. Like you said, Fernandinho's been played in defence. They miss yeah. him in midfield. Um, I could go on, but anyway, I don't want to keep talking about City because it's just yeah, it's, it's what I'm saying. Um, you found another... got to speak about our rivals, <laughs> in it, getting rid of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, you found another story as well from another rival. Yeah, from one rival to a next. Yeah. Um, obviously, rumours surrounding Chelsea, and they've obviously added Zayic and um, Timo, Timo Werner, so they're already looking like a stronger outfit going into next season. And Fabrizio Morano tweeted about five days ago. Yes. Is that um, Kai Havertz, his agent, has told Leverkusen that he wants to leave the club and if an, a, an important bid arrives in the next few weeks, then it could it could very much look like to happen. Kai Havertz is keen on the move. Chelsea board have contacted Havertz's agent and Kai would like Chelsea as the next step because of the project and also because they've obviously signed Tino Werner, which is a bit more of a comfort blanket for him. Someone from the same league, around the same culture, both German. It could, um, if you see Chelsea getting Havertz added into that, then that could be a very successful transfer window. And obviously Chelsea are probably the closest we have in terms of league position and rivalry that we have at the moment. Yeah. They're pretty much at the same building back up stage that we're at. So whatever they're doing, we need to count on that. We need to obviously rise above it. In many ways, you're right, you, yeah. you bang on. In many ways, it's like... Chelsea is slightly more relevant to us now, if we're being brutally honest. Yeah. I know it's pain to say, but yeah. come on, let's keep it real. We're not title challenging, I don't think, next season. I think mm. next season it's going to sort of be comfortably in the top four. Chelsea are probably aiming for the same. I think they'll probably think about, you know, we're not. they're not going to yeah. title challenge. They want to secure top four. So these are the teams that are, we need to worry about. And mm. as you said there, Timo Werner and, and, and um, now Havertz as well. How good is Kai Havertz? I don't know a lot about him. I've seen him a few times, but I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said a new load. No, he's good. Yeah, he's good. He's dynamic and he's, he's versatile. He's almost positionless. You're, like, you're getting that kind of players that are positionless in the modern game are a bit more prized possession, so to speak. He's basically good along anywhere across the attacking midfield. He's number ten, maybe even eight on the wing. I've seen him on the wing. Apparently, he's even played up front. Really, quite quite a lot for. Um, for Leverkusen as well, and he does quite a good job in, in all areas. He's got a decent goal-scoring record as well. He's obviously very, very promising. And um, whenever you see promising youngsters, they can either go one or two ways, but he's definitely looking like a player that could elevate Chelsea next season, which is um, not a good sign. The very, <laughs> it's not a good sign. Yeah. They're very much like City in the respect that, obviously, Chelsea had that transfer ban, didn't they? That got lifted, I think, yeah. in January. They didn't go crazy. But this summer, you will expect them to splash the cash. And they, they've already started doing that. They're obviously, Lampard's mm. going nowhere. It doesn't matter where they finish. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, and you think, yeah, Lampard. this summer he can go, can go big in the transfer. Ollie's son, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ollie's boy. Ollie's boy. his little boy. boy. Little boy, yeah. Um, yeah. Chelsea, another club that historically been known to splash the cash. And obviously, they've got an owner that, that cares. Um, yeah. <laughs> So uh, he obviously wants to see. He's been there with since the Chelsea's minimal glory days, but since yeah, the, 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 those uh, and old old times of about two thousand and three when it came <laughs> in there, uh, historic times. Yeah, look, I can see him splashing, but 
we don't know what the market is going to be like because of coronavirus, but clubs still are going to want to improve, just going to want to, especially ones that want to catch up. You've got Liverpool who are at the top, unfortunately, and um, everyone's kind of firing at them, so everyone wants to go up. And um, they're obviously looking over their shoulder. They probably don't need as much change, but they probably do need to freshen it up. But the likes of City and Chelsea and us, even behind them, do need to look into the transfer window and see how can we close the gap even more. Even though I don't think the gap's as big as the league table suggests. Right. In terms of quality, I think the sides are pretty even. Yeah. More even than they look. In pr- I actually think City um, are slightly better. Right. Player for player than Liverpool, personally. That's a bold statement with 23 points between no, I, them, yeah? I, I, I just I think... Mean, I'm not going to stick up for them. I think it's, defen- I think it's defensively. But. I think if you go past the back four, then it becomes more arguable with um, Liverpool players it just getting seemed, in. I, I know this isn't a word you often sort of label yeah. Pep Guardiola, but I, it just seemed naive to me to let company go and not think that you had to go big. Probably a bit of arrogance, isn't it? They already had Laporte, I know that, but I just think... You know, like you say, once he got injured, they were in all sorts of trouble. And you miss Fernandinho in that midfield massively. Yeah. Um, and it just surprised me because I thought, and you know, everyone we spoke to, we speak to journalists all yeah. the time who, who associate with City, and they say, you know, and I've interviewed Vincent Company a few times myself, and you could tell what a character he was in that dressing room. He's a leader, he's a captain. Not only that, he was a very, very good defender. Even last season, you know, he scored that winner against Leicester. He had that, I think it was yeah. the last eight games he played every game, whatever it was and was a, a big force in, in winning in the title. And then he goes, which, OK, you can't stop him. He went to, to Anderlecht um, for a reason. But you think, you've got you to you know, bring in someone, and they didn't. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think we will see um, City go big in the transfer window this summer, as yeah. journalists have been saying. Um, one journalist I spoke to then was Simon Peach. Myself and Ronaldo had a chat with him earlier today about last night's game against Southampton about the job Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is doing and the players that he's brought in and here's what he had to say. Simon, you were at the game last night. United drew 2-0 at Old Trafford with Southampton. Just sum it up really. What did you make of it all? Well, I, I was in a unique position as the only Southampton supporting Manchester United correspondent. So, um, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> no, it was a... I don't think it was a wake-up call but I think it was... probably. I think it might actually be beneficial um, I can't imagine that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not going to change his side at Crystal Palace now. I think he probably went one too many games without rotating. I always thought that Southampton's pressing, I said it to everyone before the game um, that I was speaking to, that I thought Southampton's pressing was going to panic Manchester United's defence and, and goalkeeper because they're not as comfortable on the ball um, as, as some sides. Um, but also, if they've managed to bypass that and get behind Saints' back line, they'll score. So the, the start of the game kind of went exactly to plan. Um, but then after that, I, I just felt that United kind of... It was the first game, obviously the fans have been missed in every single game. That, that goes without saying. But it was the kind of match that I felt that when Southampton were getting on top in the last 15, 20 minutes, I think if the Old Trafford faithful had been there, then I don't think Saints would have got the draw. No, that's fair enough. Um, what did you make of the Romeo challenge on Greenwood? Did you see it at the time? And um, if you not, or did you see it afterwards? And what did you think of it? I saw it at the time, but I didn't. Uh, in the speed of the match and where it was, I, it was more the way that Mason Greenwood went down than than the challenge. I thought that's strange. I mean, Ario Romeo. I'm not going to go to the cliche that he's not that type of player, but yeah. it's it was a 
it was clearly an accident, and I'm not even sure he was particularly aware of it. I was surprised in the era of video assistant referees that that didn't get picked up. But then perhaps the way it's been implemented so shoddily, it shouldn't be a surprise. Because Southampton have had a number of challenges in very similar ways that have been retrospectively punished. Musa Gineppo at Newcastle before the coronavirus suspension wasn't really picked up and he got a red card. Ryan Bertrand in that night in October that we won't talk about, same with him. He got a red card for a challenge that was missed. Uh, by the referees. So I think Saints were fortunate to get away with one there. And I think Mason was fortunate to get away without uh, serious damage. Definitely. All right. Simon, where do you feel like United's result last night obviously leaves them in the race for top four? Well, it's still in their hands. I mean, that's the positive. I mean, I, I put up a, a photo of the celebrations and there was a lot of anger. I'm quite a public Southampton fan in terms of I don't hide it. Um, and I wasn't gloating because I didn't really think it was that. It, obviously, it's a, not ideal. You would have liked to move third, but it's not the end of the world. It's in your hands. You've got the Europa League. You've got the FA Cup. I mean, everything is looking up for United. You are going to have dips. You're not that side. You're not a Liverpool yet. You're not a Manchester. You're not a Manche Manchester City in terms of the elite quality that is throughout the side. You are going to have bumps, and that was just a bump, and it was a draw. I mean, imagine how. <laughs> A couple of months ago, you were losing to Burnley at home, and that was a bad result. This is a draw at home Southampton. You're unbeaten in 18 matches in all competitions. I, I still think this is going to be a really positive end to the season for, for United. Obviously, you just mentioned you just mentioned now, basically lost to Burnley at home a couple of what well, quite recently, a couple of few months ago, and many thought that Oli was on borrowed time. In terms of like Oli's performance in the season in general, what do you make of it? Well, it's been a really up and down time for Ollie, hasn't it? Because obviously when he came in and hit the ground running so amazingly with that unbeaten run and then the, that night in Paris, everything looked up. And when he was given the job full time, my my only question against him that he hadn't yet answered was how he responded to adversity. And it did take a long time for him to turn that ship around because the end of last season was appalling. Uh, but he has. He's turned it around. Um, I think He's cultivated a real togetherness and team spirit. He's got an ethos there that people are buying into. There's talk of this cultural reset at the club. But I think it, what it basically means is you've got people that are the right sorts of people that want to fight for the shirt. I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be having to pay people tons of money to come to Manchester United. It's Manchester United. It's the biggest club, or one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club in the world. Um, and I think too many people took that for granted or didn't fully appreciate the position they were in. I think the current squad do. Bruno coming in has obviously given Oli a massive, massive boost. Um, I just don't understand why they didn't do it last summer, to be to be honest, because um, this season could have been even that, just that notch better, um, even though it's turning out pretty well for Oli. And yeah, the, there's no dissenting voices. I think he was emboldened by the the support that he had behind the scenes during those bad times, even when people like myself were starting to go, is 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 this the right guy? I mean. I, you've got to trust the process sometimes and everyone else seemed to, so, so I kind of went along with it. But um, when you've got that support from people above you, I think it does help you. Definitely. And one player that's come in for a little bit of criticism recently by some United fans has been Harry Maguire. Do you think that's harsh or do you think that's fair that he hasn't quite been as, as good as usual since Project Restart? I, I think it's fair in the sense that he's the most expensive defender in the history of the game. Um, you, that naturally brings extra pressure. He, he's not stupid. He, he'll know that. I also think sometimes it's under undervalued just how much 
when a player comes from abroad and moves to Manchester United, it's kind of accepted that it, there's going to be a bit of a settling in period, maybe a season where they're not going to be at their absolute best. Um, but I think sometimes when you come from a mid-table club to uh, a, an, an elite club like, well, I know Leicester are flying above United at the moment, but you mean a, a club that is not is outside of the traditional top four, top six, there is a bit of getting used to it, the pressures, the focus, the, the, everything that comes with it. I know people like Luke Shaw was struck between the eyes when he moved from Southampton. Um, and there's, there's countless examples down the years. I just think it sometimes gets underrated. I, th- I do think Harry Maguire has been pretty poor recently, but he's obviously a fantastic defender. I'm just not sure that the dynamic of him and Lindelof is, is perfect, which is why I was saying, and which is why I thought last night that Southampton's pressing, which is relentless, could cause some problems. So if you look at United's like recent signings in a whole in recent times, m- many people might say this might actually be one of our better seasons in terms of like how productive our chances have been. Would you say that you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look at some of the years you guys have had since Sir Alex has retired. Um, uh, I shouldn't laugh, but I mean... <laughs> Please, do we do. You laugh. Well, I know every club makes mistakes, but there's less wriggle room when you're trying to get back to the top of the top of the pile, um, and you are spending vast amounts of money. I think, obviously, Oli's made four first-team permanent signings. Bruno Fernandes is off the scale, brilliant. Uh, he's my favourite player to watch uh, as a neutral for years. Um, I just he was one of the things I was most looking forward to after. Uh, during that suspension was just seeing someone like Bruno, kind of someone that just brings joy to a, to a side. Um, I think Daniel James, is, look, if it, does, it doesn't work out in three years' time, he didn't cost that much money and he's made an impact. I, I like him. I think he's a good squad player and I thought I think that's what he was always going to be in this first season. Obviously, there's some work to do, but he's got the raw physical attributes uh, and the mentality to, to kick on. And Aaron Wan-Bissaka, again, he, I think people underestimate that he'd only had 18, 20 months first team football before he he joined the club as well so he, he's got a lot of improvement to do and I think we've seen through the course of the season that that he's done that and, and we've spoken about Harry Maguire which I, look the fact that he's been made captain of Manchester United says a lot about the way he's thought of in the dressing room and 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 the ability he has he's not going to go anywhere he's only going to get better so as as with as, as we all know with United there's always going to be one player that's picked up for their performances at any given time you only need to look at the press conferences and I'm as guilty as anyone. There is There does tend to be a focus on one player, good or bad, all the time, whether it's Mason Greenwood being brilliant, David De Gea not being brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just the way it goes. And I, these players are hardened to that and I'm sure they ignore the outside noise. You've kind of spoken about your admiration for Bruno. Um, why do you think the, like the transfer never came through last summer and it was only until January that was able to secure that? And I, I, only the club will know. I mean, I, I was told midsummer that um, he was of interest, but nothing was imminent, and it definitely wasn't imminent. Um, so I was right on that front sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, there was lots of talk that there was lots of uh, in, inaccurate reporting, which fueled speculation um, from elsewhere that it was going to happen and. There was a lot of amusement at the club. What's going on here? Um, I think they may have had a few concerns about one or two things, and maybe the start of the season is uh, his fine start to the season at Sporting sorted that out. But I mean, I was told, and 
by someone that's known Bruno since he was a kid at Sporting and has watched him all the way through that he he would excuse my language piss it in the Premier League. Um, and I posted that on Twitter and I got a bit of comeback saying, "Oh, look, he's going to United. He's going to look at how he's done." I mean, it's only the start, but it's pretty promising. I think we'd all agree that. In terms of your stand, a standout player, I know you just said you don't want to make it all about one player, but who has been your standout player for United this season? Would it? I know he only came in late. Would it be Bruno? Or do you think other players have had because they've been here longer? Obviously, had a, a better season. It's nice that there is multiple options. <laughs> there hasn't been that too often in recent seasons, has there? There's been a standout player, or not enough, and perhaps an underwhelming player of the year in some seasons. Um, I was really impressed by Scott McTominay before injuries. Um, Marcus Rashford as, as well. I thought he was brilliant and really coming into his own. Um, I think last time I was on this iteration uh, of the of the channel um, a couple of years ago, I, I said that I thought Anthony Martial was better on the left and Marcus was better up top. But I've obviously changed that around completely because... I think Martial's been given that belief that he can be the number nine and he's really taken it. And I think Marcus has appreciated his role on the left. It's the, the fact that there's multiple players that we can talk about being exciting and positive is a good thing. There's not there's far more positives than negatives uh, around United. And that's a, that must be a welcome feeling after the last few years. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, you mentioned earlier about sort of touching, uh, trusting Sorry, the, the process. Um, do you think Oli is under pressure from above to get Champions League football? Or do you think that the owners are, are likely to back him regardless of whether that happens this season? Interesting to see, really, how everything comes out with the, the coronavirus situation. No, Man United are probably as immune as any club in the world to the impact, given the, 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 just the might of the place. But at the same time, they might record the, the heaviest... I don't know, not losses, but like the, the heaviest financial impact because just the, the everything that they're missing out on at the moment. Um, I don't think the summer's going to be quite as they planned due to the due to that very situation. Um, but I think he he will be back. And the, the Champions League pressure, I think he would, if you asked him, he'd say he put that pressure on himself. And I don't think that is just talk. I, I, I do believe that because he he knows better than anyone what this this club is all about. And when when people were saying yesterday that the court arbitration for sports, uh, lifting of the European ban City was a blow for United, I was like, if United shouldn't be getting into the Champions League finishing fifth anyway. That that's that's below the club. They should be aiming aiming for much more and they've got it within their hands. So I think I think the season will end well and we'll just have to see how the summer goes because I think it will probably become clearer in the next month. So you said obviously United might be a little bit hogtied because of obviously the coronavirus, the pandemic, etc. So you you don't believe that United might get all the signings that they want to get, or do you think this squad that we have is pretty much the squad that we may see? I, I think Messi might be out of your reach this summer. <laughs> <laughs> never say I, I never. No, well, I'm, I'm not. Didn't say never. I just said he might yeah. be. Um, just I just don't think the market's going to be clear for anyone. If I if I was to be honest, I think that the smarter clubs, the clubs that do have that bit of financial might, your likes of United, would be smarter. And obviously, everyone wants their money to be spent early doors, and I get that, and to have that squad early. But to wait towards the end of the market, when you can feel the pressure building up on certain clubs that they have been relying on selling a key player or, or, or whatever, or they need to balance the books, that's when a club like United can swoop in and make a good deal. Um, 
but that obviously isn't ideal for the whole building of a squad. I think there's some interesting questions to be raised about players going out. Um, there's the fact that Ollie's named an unchanged starting lineup for five matches, I think probably was part of the reason that they didn't win last night, but also suggests that there is a very set structure now of who's where in the pecking order. Um, and I think there might be some awkward conversations, but also can people realistically afford it in this climate elsewhere to, to sign the peripheral figures like Bill Jones's and Jesse Lingard, who sadly doesn't appear to be having much of a future right now. Yeah, we'll have to wait on wait and see on that one. Um, in terms of this campaign, I mean, you mentioned there about City and the fact that it doesn't really matter, really. You know, United should always be aiming for top four, not thinking, oh, can we get away with getting fifth place? What do you think would make a successful season for United this campaign? Is it simply, you know, if we get into the Champions League, that's sort of job done almost in terms of where we are? I think Champions League is the first step. I think finishing in the top four in the league would be good considering the peaks and troughs that have come through the season. Um, after that, I believe it will it will be important to get a... Look, I think the Chelsea game on Sunday in the FA Cup semi-final is going to be tough. Um, I know United have got obviously a very good record against Chelsea at the moment. Um, but if they can get to that final, I think that's a, that's a big boost. And then I think if they if they can win the Europa League, I mean, the way the draws opened up for them, I think it's theirs to lose, really. Uh, certainly, to get, in terms of getting to the semi-final, I should probably say, actually, because when it gets to the semi-final, it will be interesting to see who they get. But the quarter-final draw is very, very kind of all the teams that were in there and the, the, the last tie's over, isn't it? So, I think a, a, a trophy, a final and a Champions League spot would be pretty spectacular. What... Pretty, pretty, pretty damn good. Considering how this is a season of transition. What's the mood, mood like around the club at the minute? Is it is there a positive feel around the club in press conferences or when you speak to players or when you liars at the club? Well, there wasn't last night when I was rubbing everyone's faces. <laughs> um, yeah, there is overall, um, and the fact that last night felt like a loss, it wasn't just to do with the timing. It was because of the momentum, the feel good factor that is around the place. Um, it is obviously harder to speak to players at the moment because of social distancing and stuff. But I spoke to Marcus Rashford on the on the phone after the Bournemouth game, and you could just tell by everything he was saying just how 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 good there is that feeling in the dressing room. And Ollie seems to have mastered press conferences in terms of getting the messages he wants to get out across because it is it is different to Cardiff and Mulder. <laughs> there's 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 a bit more interest uh, and not necessarily harder questions. Um, but there are questions that will be picked apart more uh, when you when you answer them. So I think he's doing well, and I think he's leading he's leading well, and everything is looking up, and there is there is a feel good factor. But as we all know, things can turn very quickly. So United need to get that win at Palace, and then they need to get through to the FA Cup final. Very true, very true. We do, um, James. Just finally, you mentioned sort of Mason Greenwood earlier. What have you made of the way Ollie's brought in some of these youngsters, Mason Greenwood, Brandon Williams, because from a fan's point of view, I think we've all sort of admired the way he's done it. He's, he's sort of brought them in gradually. What, what do you make of it? Do you think he's handled the youngsters in the right way? Uh, I think that's probably been one of the main positives uh, of what he's done. I mean, it's hard. It's easy to forget that Brandon wasn't in the uh, in the tour squad to Australia and Asia. Um, so to have made, what, 15, 20 plus appearances across the competitions this season has been really, really, really promising. Mason is someone that, 
we've all known about obviously for a long time but there's a we've heard about countless players that are talented and supposed to come through and they haven't uh, or certainly not made the impact that they could have done so I think Ollie's handled him very well I was listening to a few clips um, that I, I'd got from when we were in Singapore and Australia uh, talking about how he was going to basically look after to Mason a bit like how, how Sir Alex looked after Ryan Giggs wouldn't let him go on loan and would gradually ease him in and look after him that way and, and he's done just that and I think he's done he's done really really well I wouldn't be surprised to see Mason in the England squad when they when they return to action re- remarkably in September but I think it's before the Premier League season I'm not sure why the Nations League needs to be played but that's by the by um, and I, the future is great I mean there's a reason he's been in my fantasy team for the last couple of months he's, he's just a he's, he's a goal machine when he gets the chance and I thought he was perhaps a little bit uh, he could have been a bit more positive when taking on defenders last night because I think he sometimes underappreciates that he is a threat, such a threat with both feet, um, that that defender is panicking. That defender does not know what to do. So just give it a go. Because yesterday, Saints edged the shot count, um, even though United probably had some some bigger chances. So there's, there's stuff to work on, but I mean, what an exciting talent for you for United and for England. Absolutely. I mean, it's pretty impressive the way he's sort of carried on this season, put on a little bit of weight as well, and he just seems to sort of get better and better. Good weight. He's put on some good weight, we should add. Yeah, yeah. 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 Not like me Sorry. during lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> like um, most of us during lockdown, no. <laughs> um, Simon, it's been great chatting to you. Thanks for coming on the channel. I appreciate all the support and the fact you'll have a chat with us. Um, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, sorry again about last night. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We'll go over it. <laughs> no worries. So, Ron, you said quite a lot there, Simon Peach. Um, sort of a lot that we already know. Yeah. We're waxing lyrical about Bruno. We don't need a journalist to tell us how, how good Bruno was. But one thing he, he said that I found quite interesting was about the mood at the club, about the atmosphere and how he spoke to, you know, he spoke to Marcus Rashford and the, the players all seem really positive. You've been at clubs like that. Does that filter through to everyone when you've got a manager like Ollie who seems to be keeping everyone positive? You know, you've been at that sort 120%, of 120%, yeah. What filters through is, he said, is kind of like the atmosphere that you create. That is probably the, what we're seeing like as a detriment to on the other side of the scale of the kind of the Jose Mourinho personality and the kind of atmosphere that he kind of is breeding at Spurs right now and see how it kind of has a negative impact on the way that they perform because everyone's looking at Tottenham and thinking terrible team, terrible squad, worst squad in years. Player for player they aren't that bad but it's they look worse when they've got a manager that's on the edge, he doesn't breed positivity, he's not He's lost a bit of the charisma that he had when he was a bit young, but when he was in his early Chelsea days, and it does filter through to the um, squad. Your best players aren't playing their best, etc. So when you're looking at United and you've got someone like Oli Hughes, a bit of a more positive, more vibrant type, more he's been a player himself, so he kind of understands. He has a certain level of understanding with the players as well, which always helps as a manager. Yeah, so um, it it does look to me where even looking at Martial, he's, he's smiled more. In the last couple of weeks, he's more more in the last two weeks than he has in the last ten years. <laughs> That's last ten years. It unnerves me when Marshall's smiling. I'm, I'm yeah, a little kinda, bit settled. Serial killer. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> I prefer when he's like scowling. Yeah, but um, it, it kind of shows you um, what what can happen when there's a certain energy and positivity surrounding the club. Players play their best. They're more expressive. They're more confident. They they get that kind of addiction to winning. 
So um, it's 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 a good it's definitely a good thing when when the club's positive and the players kind of feed on that and then it shows on the pitch when everyone's on the same. It's team chemistry, team morale. That's what we want to see. Yeah. Right, it was a different mood under Jose. I can speak from experience <laughs> when I used to go to the press conference there. You can just sort of a bit tense. sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. tense. Um, although he was all right with me, Jose, he did take the mic at me for being bold. But apart from that, he was all right. <laughs> um, Another thing that Simon Peach spoke about, and I wanted to get your opinion on this as well, was how Ollie's handled the youngsters and the fact that you know the likes of Brandon Williams and Mason Greenwood in particular are shining. Again, as a youngster at a club, when you see some of your peers playing for the first team, you know you've got a manager, unlike Jose, who will give you a chance. Yeah. What? How does that make you feel as a young player? Because you've been obviously at a very high level in the academy. When you see the players at your age getting into the first team, does that give you a little bit of an extra lift? That's a great point. That is, that's actually exactly what happens. When you are at a club and you're youth level or reserve level and you see youngsters, obviously of a similar ilk or similar age, getting opportunities to train with the first team, to travel with the first team, to play in the first team, it gives you a little bit of a confidence boost. It's not one of them where you're looking at it as if, oh, you're salty. Oh, yeah, you, you, you see it on the other hand of you seeing if we've got a manager at the club that will play youngsters if you show if you show something so then you take that on and then think all right i'm going to i'm more positive i'm going to kick on i'm going to train harder every day i'm going to play hard every day and i might get my chance when you've opposing when you've got a team or you're at a club that doesn't seem to give youngsters more of a chance then you kind of you're not as um optimistic in a sense you're a bit more going through the motions i'm just playing I'm probably not going to get a chance. The manager doesn't like youngsters, and it it kind of it does it does filter down when you see youngsters playing in the first team. It definitely gives you a bit of a boost, thinking I can get my chance if I show if I show enough. So, so that is actually a good point. Good to good mm. to hear that, and that's what we want to see. That's what Manchester United yeah. are, are built on. We're he built did, on the academy. To, he did he did say that um, he's he's Ollie has kind of shielded well not shielded greenwood he's kind of bedded him in slowly rather than sent him out on loan because we've seen how loans can work well but they can also go the other way because i remember it was last season people were kind of suggesting that greenwood should go on loan i think yeah i yeah. think you're right i think it was was it pre-season that made all his mind up i think yeah i think he was in two minds and then uh, mason went on on yeah. the pre-season tour and just shone yeah and it was like Listen, you know this kid's going nowhere, and we need him. We need him. <laughs> We'd, if he was on loan, Imagine banging in goals, someone for someone else. And a lot of fans were saying yeah. he needs to go out on loan. But, but he's—I mean—he's a first-team player now, isn't he? He's a first-team player. And and you know we've seen it the other night. Luke Shaw picks up an ankle injury. I know Brandon Williams picks up a head injury. Yeah. Of the two, I expect Brandon Williams. We don't know yet. We'll be back a lot sooner than Luke Shaw. But Brandon Williams is another one who's almost the first-team player. Really, there's yeah. a debate going on. But again, you know. No one really saw that one coming this yeah. season, anyway, did yeah. they? And Ollie's shown a lot of faith in him and, and been rewarded with that. And it, you know, it's good to see because that's what yeah. Manchester United will always be built upon. And as you mentioned earlier, it's obviously giving the younger players yeah. a, a lift and motivation. And we hear that the likes of Tedder Mengi and Ethan Laird are getting involved in first team training and stuff yeah. like that and travelling with the squad. So long may it continue. Um, this has been the Tier One Transfer Podcast. It's been Ronaldo, another good chat there. Good chat. Ronaldo, and a good chat with Sam. Yeah, yeah, good guest. And yeah. we've got another good guest lined up next week. We'll always try and keep the guests coming and we'll always be going over the, the transfer news and the, the more reliable transfer sources. Yes, we don't <laughs> want to just be going for clickbait nonsense. We want to be looking at yeah. the, the sort of the, the very top and the journalists that are more trustworthy and usually have the best sources. So we'll be doing that again next week. This has been Stretford Paddock. Don't forget to hit 
hit even like share and subscribe we've got loads coming up we've got the crystal palace preview we've got the watch along we've got house and mccullough uncensored it's all happening so yeah hit that subscribe button i've been jay that's been ronaldo this has been the tier one transfer podcast thanks for watching sports social podcast network Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.